Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher. This week's parasha is Yitro. It continues the progress of B'nai Israel, children of Israel, in the wilderness, and will bring us to one of the pivotal events of Jewish history, maybe even world history, and that is the revelation at Sinai. The parasha essentially is divided into two parts. Uh, the name of the parasha is Yitro. Yitro was the father-in-law of Moshe. And so the first part of the parasha uh, includes Yitro. Uh, we're told that Yitro comes to uh, meet B'nai Israel in the wilderness. He brings with him uh, Moshe's family, his wife Tzipora, their two children Gershom and Eliezer, and Moshe greets his father-in-law Yitro and tells him all that has happened, and Yitro's reaction is one of joy, blessing, and also accepting Hashem, uh, and then they have a festive meal. Uh, we're then told about the advice that Yitro gives to Moshe. Yitro observes how Moshe judges the people all day, uh, from morning until night. And Yitro gives his son-in-law the advice that he should not try to do uh, all of this uh, on his own. Instead, he should uh, delegate uh, others to help him in the process of judging. First, teach the people, of course, and train uh, and appoint judges at different uh, levels over different uh, hierarchy uh, of, the, uh, of the community. And uh, any case that is really big, uh, he should, Moshe, should take for himself. Moshe accepts Yitro's advice. He adapts it. Um, he will take the most difficult cases for himself, not necessarily the biggest cases, but the most legally difficult cases. Uh, the fact that Moshe is judging suggests that this event happened uh, after the giving of the Torah at Sinai. Uh, so we're given a number of episodes uh, surrounding Yitro, but not necessarily all at the same time. And then we are told towards the end, uh, at the end of this section, uh, that eventually Yitro returned to uh, to Midian uh, to reunite with his uh, people, and that may have may have happened uh, considerably later than this. Uh, next, the major part of the parasha is about the revelation at Sinai. Uh, first. We're taught about the journey to Sinai, Sinai, and how B'nai Israel arrive on the first day of the third month. That's the month that we nowadays call the month of Sivan. And they encamp facing the mountain. Moshe uh, then uh, has a, uh, a few times of ascending and descending. Uh, Hashem tells Moshe, tell the people that they will be a kingdom of priests and a holy people. This is a... Uh, very uh, empowering uh, declaration of what their goal will be, what their 
accomplishments will be. And Moshe tells the elders. And the people respond by saying that we will do all that Hashem has said. Moshe delivers the people's response to Hashem. And then Hashem's response to Moshe is that after uh, this will happen, after the revelation at Sinai, the people will believe you, they'll trust in you, uh, and uh, therefore they will continue to follow you. Uh, tell the people to prepare for the revelation, for the giving of the Torah. Warn the people about approaching the mountain, that during the time that Hashem's presence is on the mountain, uh, no one, uh, human or animal, is permitted to go onto the mountain. And Moshe instructs the people. On the third day, there is lightning, thunder, the sound of the shofar getting louder and louder, and also uh, the mountain is uh, quaking, and Moshe ascends. Uh, Hashem says to Moshe uh, that, they that he should descend and warn the people once again, just to remind them uh, about the uh, prohibition against going up to the mountain. And it's at this time that Hashem speaks the Aseret Hadibrot, the, uh, the Decalogue. Uh, I don't like to use the term Ten Commandments, and there's a very simple reason for that. Uh, first of all, they're never called the Ten Commandments. The word for commandment is mitzvah, and they're never called the Ten Mitzvot. Uh, they are called the Aseret HaDibrot or the Aseret HaDvarim, and that... Uh, is closer to utterances or pronouncements. These are 10 statements, uh, which may, each of which may or may not be a mitzvah, uh, and, or may even contain multiple mitzvot. Uh, but in terms of pronouncements, five of them deal with the relationship between man and Hashem, and the other between man and man. Uh, according to uh, many of those who count up the mitzvot, the commandments of the Torah, and remember there are 613 of them, uh, there are 14 mitzvot within the Aseret HaDibrot. Uh, most importantly, uh, it is, uh, it's important to, uh, to point out that these mitzvot are not, quote-unquote, more important than any other mitzvah, uh, but they are the archetypes for all of the 613 mitzvot. Uh, all of the mitzvot can be subsumed in one way or another under one of these statements. And the people hear Hashem's voice, as it were, speaking to them. And, uh, of course, their reaction uh, is uh, a reaction of fear and trembling. And they say to Moshe, uh, we don't want to hear the voice of Hashem directly. It's too much for us to handle. Instead, we want you to speak to Hashem, have Hashem speak to you, and Hashem will tell you the uh, mitzvot, and then we will, uh, of course, we will obey them. And Moshe says, do not fear. Uh, but uh, that's the process that, uh, that continues. Namely, from this point on, all mitzvot uh, are going to come through Moshe. And Yitro concludes with some other mitzvot uh, that, uh, that they are being taught uh, in two basic areas, one having to do with idolatry, um, namely not to make gods of gold and silver, 
And the second is uh, how to create a place of worship for Hashem, uh, a place of sacrifice, how to build an altar, that the altar must be uh, of earth, it must be of uh, unhewn stones, undressed stones, and that there are to be no stairs uh, going up to the altar. And uh, that would conclude that section. Indeed, that's the end of Parashat Yitro. Now let's look more closely at that last section. Hashem says to Moshe uh, uh, a few things. First of all, you yourselves have seen uh, that I spoke to you from the, the highest parts of the heavens. Uh, and therefore you should not make any gods of silver or gods of gold. Instead, uh, make for me an altar of earth. And that means an altar that's attached to the earth uh, and sacrifice on it. Use it for sacrificing various types of offering. Um, and uh, a critical phrase that God says here, uh, in every place where I cause my name to be mentioned, I will come to you and bless you. Uh, if you don't make an altar of, uh, of earth, uh, if you make an altar of stones, make sure that they're simple, uh, unhewn stones, uh, because if you use a metal implement uh, to dress, to shape the stones, uh, they've used something that, uh, namely the metal, that represents uh, death. Uh, it's like a, a, a sword, and uh, you've profaned them. And uh, do not ascend my altar using steps. Uh, do not expose your nakedness. Now, Ravavadya Saforno, in his commentary, talks about this section and explains the uh, interconnectedness of all of these uh, ideas. First of all, you yourselves have seen that I speak to you from the heavens. Uh, and that is uh, an echo of the idea that Hashem is uh, withdrawn from the earth. He's uh, not part of the earth. He's not part of uh, a physical reality, uh, but he sees, he's aware of what goes on below uh, in heaven and in the, uh, on the earth. Then the commandment is not to make uh, gods of uh, silver and gold. The Sephardim explains that because you've experienced with your own senses that you do not need to resort to intermediaries in order to come close with God. In other words, you heard that me speak to you directly with no intermediary. Um, therefore, don't build, uh, don't make for yourselves these kinds of gods, which would be uh, in, in your mind to serve as intermediaries between, um, between yourself and me. You don't need any of that. Uh, you can uh, receive the word of, of Hashem directly. Uh, not only that, uh, make, a, make a simple altar. In other words, you don't need to build temples of silver and gold and precious stones in order to come close to me. It suffices uh, to be if you erect a simple earthen altar. It's perfectly acceptable. Uh, the Sephardo is saying here that at least at this point, in other words, at, at the time of the revelation uh, at Sinai, uh, God is saying that no special sanctuary is necessary 
in order to commune with uh, Hashem. Uh, and that fits with the Sephorno's approach that the commandment to build the Mishkan, which we, the tabernacle, which we'll have later on in the Book of Shemot, uh, only comes after the uh, sin of the golden calf. Uh, ideally, no special sanctuary would be necessary, just uh, an altar would be uh, sufficient. It's only when the people showed that they could not handle that kind of direct relationship with, uh, with Hashem, that Hash- and, and they even showed that they would stray, they would fall uh, b- back on their uh, practices of, uh, uh, of imbuing an object with some kind of intermediary uh, power, which is the way to understand the, the golden calf, uh, when they showed that that's where their their spiritual development is at, that's when Hashem said uh, that uh, they should build a mishkan, a tabernacle, uh, so that uh, these needs can be met uh, in a way that will be acceptable to Hashem. But now, uh, the Sopharno says, God is speaking in an ideal term. Uh, so a simple, simple altar will be necessary because, and this is the critical expression, uh, in every place where I will uh, cause my name to be uh, remembered, as the Sephardo explains, every place uh, at which one time or another I select to serve as a place for communing with uh, with my servant. Uh, there have been other places where I spoke directly to uh, prophets. Um, so you do not need artificial means, uh, silver, gold, special temples, in order to uh, commune with me and to receive my my providence, because I can come to you anywhere and bless you uh, simply on the basis of uh, of of prayer. Mention my name, uh, and therefore don't. If you are making an altar, uh, do not use hewn stones in order to make them uh, to make the altar seem more uh, impressive. It's totally not necessary. Um, on the other hand, the uh, Sephorno uh, reminds us, even though Hashem is saying that a simple uh, altar uh, will suffice, don't go to the opposite e- extreme of uh, thinking that uh, any behavior uh, that you have in the presence of God is acceptable. Um, therefore, um, you, if you do have an altar, and you must go up to the altar in order to offer the sacrifices, but the altar was uh, to be sufficiently high off the ground that it would be necessary to go up, make sure you are still taking precautions uh, not to be disrespectful uh, when you go up to the top. Uh, And that would happen if one would wear a robe, as people did in those days, and would use steps. Uh, One would become uncovered and therefore use a ramp instead. So the Sephorno's point is that uh, communion with God uh, in order to receive his benevolence could be direct. Uh, A sanctuary is not uh, necessary. A simple altar will suffice, but remember still uh, that you are standing in the presence of Hashem and you must treat him uh, with with the proper uh, respect. I thank you very much for joining me in this exploration of Parashat Yitro. This has been Rabbi Abraham Fisher 
for Parashah Highlights and Insights, saying Shalom.